is the Big Church Podcast. Last week, my beautiful wife uh, spoke so, come on, didn't she do a good job last week? Come on. She spoke about being generous, and so I get to do, I get the next part of this series called Obedience. And I'm married, so I'm learning that the hard way sometimes. Come on, any guys in the house, you learn obedience from your wife? She's like, he still, she's like, he still ain't got it yet or anything. But I'm, I'm going to teach this morning about obedience and what it means. But, you know, obedience is, definition is this. It's compliance with an order, request, or law. It's submission to another's authority. Well, man, when we start hearing that thing, all of a sudden we just start closing down, right? Because obedience is not a positive word in the culture that we live in today. For some think it's like it's cold and it's harsh and, and, oh my gosh, I just can't be doing that. And also others seem to push it towards being legalistic in the church world. Yeah. We've heard of being obedient and we've heard of it being legalistic. Well, let me, sometimes God can't unlock things in our life because we li- listen to the word in the wrong way. They think it's where we have to have control over everything for others. But we don't want anybody telling us what to do, right? right. Come on. Y'all got to talk back. We don't like anybody else telling us what to do. We live in a culture right now where, where you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. We actually live in a culture right now that is, that is saying that we promote ourselves as being our own God. Very humanistic right now. But if it feels good, ah, we're going to do it. And if it's, you know, a lot of times we do our own thing if it only makes us happy. You know, a lot of times what what we run into in that selfish way of thinking is it's not really hurting anybody else. But if we look at the culture around us, if we look at the landscape of what's happened in us, we can really look at it and see that it is affecting our kids, it's affecting our our nation, it's affecting everything around us because we want to do what we want to do. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, There is a way that seems right to a man. But its end is the way of death. We have a moral compass out there that's all out of whack anymore. I mean, there's things coming on, and, I, and I'm watching it unfold on uh, news, and I'm watching it unfold on things, thinking, what are people thinking? But the Bible says in the last days, it's going to, people's ways of thinking are going to change dramatically. But it all started. Why did it get out of whack? It all started back in the garden. And we're going to start in Genesis right here, and we're going to go all the way to Revelation. Y'all got five hours? I got people getting ready to throw a water bottle at me. But it all started back in the garden. God created man in his own image. And he walked with them and he talked with them. And he provided everything that they needed in this garden. He made it paradise to them. But somewhere over in the corner, out in the middle, he put this one tree. And he said, everything that I have made for you right now, you can partake of. Eat it, do whatever you want to do with it. But that one tree, don't touch it. And I'm sure what happened is that tree was probably the best fruit in the garden. There was probably no wormholes in the, in the apples. There were, everything was great. It was shiny. It probably had an aura around it going, touch me, touch me. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The thing, that, the, the thing that people tell us not to do is the thing that draws us to want to do it the most because of our sinful nature. But God said, don't touch that. Don't get around it. But you know what we did? We made the wrong choice. And God, here's what he did. The reason he did that is he didn't want a bunch of robots running around. 
He wanted our hearts. He could have just said, listen, you're going to do everything that I tell you to do. You're going to, do, you're going to go the places I tell you to go. You don't do it. But God wanted people that were going to love him for who he was. He was looking for people to worship him. Not when the song, not when they pick the song for worship that, that they like. Not when the, everything comes together what they like. He wanted us to worship him and not be robots. But here comes the enemy who is Satan. He's always trying to diss God. Y'all have heard that old, song, that old phrase, diss. I got diss. Well, diss means we got... Anyway, I got diss. But the enemy's always trying to disrespect the creation that God put out there for us. He's always trying to disappoint those who God has appointed. He's also trying to disillusion us to get us to believe a lie that somebody has told us from the beginning. And he's always disguising something, making it look good. And again, that tree was probably the best looking one out there. But until he came into the scene and he started telling them how good that tree was, they probably hadn't paid a whole lot of attention to it. Think about it. They probably had walked by that tree day after day after day. But as soon as he came into the mountain, he started lying to them. He started telling them it was better than what it really was. And all of a sudden, what happened is that tree that was common turned into something that was great in their eyes. We chose wrong. Disobedience came in. Why is obedience hard? Because our sinful nature came to life when we made that choice. Why do you think you have such a hard time making the right decision? Because the nature that we have wants what we want. But the consequences for that choice were this. They were devastating. Their sin came in. Pain and hurt and death and spiritual and physical death came. But the biggest thing was we were separated from God. God had to move us out of that garden. Some people said he kicked them out of the garden. No, he didn't. He loved them enough to know that there was another tree that if they... If they would have touched it in their condition, they would have lived forever in that condition. God moved them out of that garden to say, listen, I love you enough to take you away from something that's going to cause you harm for eternity. We think of obedience as a bad word. But could our wariness of obedience keep us from getting the transformation we were really looking at in our lives? Could it be that because we're disobedient, we do our own thing, God says, I want to do this. But yet you keep doing this, and I'm trying to get you here. But as long as you keep doing this, I'll never get you to here. Our wariness of even listening to the word sometimes keeps us from transformation. It could be the key that could unlock everything that you need in your life. Maybe you've been looking for something and, and you haven't quite figured it out. Maybe being listening to God and being obedient to him is that key. This is not a very popular message, but it could be the key that unlocks everything God has for you. John Calvin said this, all true knowledge of God is born out of obedience. Listen, we've talked about disobedience and its effects. Now let's talk about how obedience can cause us to live a blessed life. We're going to be in the Old Testament. And can I just tell you this much? The Bible is the New Testament and it's an Old Testament. And a lot of people are saying that the Old Testament is not relevant for today. Everything is the New Covenant. But let me tell you what, if it goes from Genesis to Revelations, it's relevant to where we are going today. So we're going to be this morning, we're going to be in Deuteronomy 28 verse 1. Now it came to pass, say if, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, 
which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. I don't like putting anything together. Kenan is back there in the back. I remember I used to bribe Kenan. I said, I'm going to buy a new grill. And I will cook anything you want to on that grill. I'll go to the store and I'll get it. But I do not want to put that thing together. Anybody, anybody like to put stuff together out there? I am going to pray for you guys. Because, I, I'm the, you know, the reason I, I don't really like putting anything together is because it comes with a set of instructions. I don't like to follow instructions very well. Don't you say amen. <laughs> but you get the instructions and they're in French and Arabic and um, every other language. And I'm, you're looking, I said, where is the English standard version of this right here? I don't know where it's at. But we don't like to follow instructions. But the instructions in that box are there for a reason. If you can't, if you don't do things correctly and follow the instructions, you're going to have a lot of problems in your life. And what happens to me inevitably, God is trying to build something in you and build something in me. But right on the th- outside of, our, of who we are, it says, assembly required. Usually, I just shut it down right there. <laughs> Usually, after it says assembly acquired, I'm just like, goodbye, see you later, because I'll pay an extra $10 for somebody to put a bike together. I'll pay all the stuff that I need to do if I don't have to mess with it, because that's an hour or seven hours. I remember I got a, okay, here we go. I remember <laughs> I got an entertainment center. Oh, Jesus. For Christmas Eve, big old entertainment center. And I remember getting that thing and starting to take it, all the pieces out of the box. And, and I got them laid out there and it says A to A, B to B, C to C. It went through Z and I think it started back over in the alphabet. But I got it all laid out there. December 28th, I got it for Christmas. December 28th, I had that thing put together. But I had all kinds of pieces left over. Come on, I I got the thing to go in, and I looked over, and I had me a pile going right here, and I was like, "Uh, I got two bolts, a nut, and a black thing that always comes with something that you really don't know what it goes to, right? (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about. That's that black little round thing. And then, you know what I did is I picked it up, and I I walked over here, and while nobody was looking, I was like, shoop. (laughs) But what happens is, if you get in a hurry, and you, you can't neglect all the parts that God has in it. He wants to put you together with no missing pieces because what happens is is you get to the end of something and you'll say, that little black thing was probably the purpose God had in my life over there. But yet I discarded it. I got rid of it because I didn't know where it fit. God doesn't want you to miss out on anything in the blessed life. He's giving us the ingredients. He's giving us the instructions. And he's giving us everything to make us who we, who he wants us to be. But he says, I'm laying it out there for you. All I want you to do is follow the instructions. Say, follow the instructions. instructions. There we go. Verse 2. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. God's love is unconditional, but blessings can be optional. God loves you to death. He loves you through anything. But if you're not obedient, it can be optional whether he wants to bless you or not. Blessings can't come upon or overtake you without being obedient. Why? 
Because we can't expect God to bless a mess. Oh, that, that, that got a good one. You can't expect God to bless a mess. Can I just be, can I be clear with you? Your life is messy. Your life can be messy. But let me tell you what it can't be. It can't be a mess. You can have messy. You can have sometimes stuff that you're going through that you don't quite understand. But if your life is a total mess and total chaos, nobody's going to want to follow where you're going because they see you don't even know where you're going. Consistency of it, and you're blowing 84% of it. I'm, I'm not trying to be hard this morning. I'm just trying to be factual. Sometimes, you know, God says, if you'll just give that 10%, I'm asking you to, I can bless that 90 and make it, make, make it multiply into more than you've ever had. But until we get blessings, God, he can't do that. But listen to this. Obedience has to be consistent. Consistent means regular, steady, and continual. Obedience to God when it hurts. Obedience to God when, when you just don't understand everything that God has for you. And obedience to God even when you don't want to. Come on. Y'all fight your flesh just like I do every single day to do things that you know you should be doing. My wife is doing awesome. She is losing weight. She is staying on this meal prep program, and she is looking fine. And, uh, and I'm not. And I said, I wish we could get on the same diet page because I do so good for a while and she does but the reason she is doing so good is because she's doing things. She's bypassing the pizza when I'm putting it in my mouth. She's bypassing the things that she's always wanted because she wants to better go. That's what God says to you. Sometimes you got to do things even though you don't want to or your flesh will war against you. Come on, dieting. What are the byproducts of obedience? Well, here's God's benefit package. You know, you want to go get a job, and not only do you look for the pay, you look for the insurance and the 401K and you, all the rest of the stuff. Well, let me give you God's benefit pa- package in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 28. The first thing it does is obedience produces popularity. Listen to verse 3. Blessed you will be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body that produces You want your health to be good? It says your body can be blessed with obedience. We have people that are, I just highlighted that. God just showed that to me. People running around with the sicknesses and everything. And I'm not saying God causes all that stuff. It it started in the garden. But could could it be that God could unlock health in you if we were obedient? That produces the ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall you be when you come in. And blessed shall you be when you go out. He's not, I, know, I don't see anywhere in there where it talks about likes on Facebook. Did y'all see that in there? I, I missed it. Nowhere does it say you're going to be blessed with more followers on Instagram. Come on, y'all. Never mind. Nowhere does it say that you're going to get all the retweets that you want on Twitter. Blessings are not that. Obedience brings opportunity for us to have influence. It ain't to make you have the best selfie or, or the more likes. And sometimes you can buy likes on. I thought that was so weird. You got to go out and you can buy likes on social media. I'm like, you got to buy somebody halfway to like you? Well, they might me anyway. But he'll give you influence coming and going give you influence in business and in government and entertainment. Listen, I've, I've read so much about Kanye here in the last two weeks, I just want to just choke somebody. 
God could be producing influence and entertainment right now to reach a world out there that we could never reach. He could be. Yeah, all the naysayers and all the people out there saying, well, you know, yeah. And listen, Kanye, we need to pray that God, that God will keep him where he needs to be. But I'm going to tell you, God is placing people right now for the last days that he's in that can be influencers. And that could be you in your business. That could be you in government and in your schools. If you want the VIP treatment, if you want doors open, pastor, the doors just haven't been open. How obedient have you really been? God says, I'm about to usher something into you, but I want you to listen, to actually listen to what I have to say. Obedience also produces protection. Verse 7. The Lord, I love this part, it will cause your enemy who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way, and they shall flee before you seven ways. God does not promise you a life without enemies. God does not promise you that you're not going to have turmoil and things go on in your life. But what he does promise is you can have victory over the enemy. Who is the enemy? Well, Webster's Dictionary says this. I like definitions. An enemy is a part of one seeking to injure, overthrow, or confound an opponent. The ultimate enemy of us is Satan. But people, circumstances, conditions of life, sickness, poverty, low self-esteem can often play the role of an enemy in your life. Sometimes it's not just the physical person around you. It can be the way you were raised or the environment that you came up in. Enemies can either rise against you or they come out against you. Both of those are postures of challenge. Both of those, come at me, bro. Both of them are like that. The enemy's always coming out after you. What's he doing that for? Because it's designed to cause fear, designed to cause anxiety, designed to cause discouragement, and designed to make us run as far away from God as we possibly can. I said this a couple weeks ago. You want things to change in your life. Don't run from God. Run to God. So many times in our lives, man, we're just running the other direction. And God's like, no, 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 come back here. I got, I got something better for you. But no, no, I'm going to stay over here and, and I'm going to do what I want to do. But God's like, no, I can't change things if you don't run towards me. God's promise is that when we walk in obedience, it will cause two things to happen to our enemies. They will be defeated before your face. It won't happen behind your back. You won't have to guess about it. You won't have to try to figure it out. The Bible says he prepares a table in the presence of what? My enemies. Some, one day, those people who laughed at you, that said you'll never make it, that you weren't good enough and you can never, they're going to have to sit and they're going to have to watch you eat at that table. They're going to have to say, man, I never thought he would amount to anything, but look at what God's done in his life now. It ain't going to happen behind your back. He's going to prepare a table for you. And it says, they shall flee. That's the King James Version. That means they're going to run. Before you seven ways, God will scatter our enemies' plans and conspiracies all over the place. People in your life that were not put in your life for a reason, God's about to move them out of your life. Things in your life that were, not, or that were detrimental to you, he's going to start using them for a testimony in your life. Those things that the enemy meant for bad, God is going to turn it around for the good. And you're going to be able to testify. I heard a testimony from a family all sitting right over here. How God has taken bad and he's turned it around for the good. That's what he's going to do. Y'all read, listen to this one. 
Proverbs 16, 7. This thing will not stay on. <laughs> when a man's ways please God, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. You got somebody giving you a hard time? Let your ways please the Lord. You got somebody talking bad about you? Let your ways please the Lord. You got somebody dogging you all the time? Make your ways please the Lord. Your enemies will have to be at peace with you. That is not the gospel of Richard. That's Jesus Christ. Verse 8. Let's read this. Obedience produces provision and prosperity. That's hard for me to say. Provision and prosperity. Verse 8. The Lord will command the blessing. I love that. He's going to command the blessing on you in your storehouses and all in which you set your hands and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. Provision definition is to supply with needed materials. Your job, your retirement, your investments are your supplies. They are not your source. They're your job, but they're not your source. Because when you figure it out when we're talking about blessings and tithing, when we talk about uh, being able to hold on to that so tight because we think that's our source. But God said, listen, I've given it all to you. Yeah. Everything that you have, guess who owns it? God owns it. You might have your name on it. You might think you have the deed to it or the title to it. But let me tell you, ultimately, God owns that. He gives it to us from my mama used to say to Bari. Yeah. Come on, you got any country folk in here? She said, he'll just let you borrow it for a little while. But what he does is he sees how good you're going to borrow it. He's going to see how good you're a steward with it. And what he does is when he sees how good you're faithful over the small, he gives you more and more and more. Because let me just tell you, God does not want a bunch of Christians running around broke, busted, and disgusted. He does not want us running around. And listen, we've been told, uh, we've been told for so long that we're supposed to just be meek and holy. And, and We're supposed to be holy. We're supposed to be meek and lowly. And we're not supposed to have anything false. God wants us to prosper. God wants us to be the head and not the tail. He doesn't want us walking around here uh, all bent out of shape because we don't have. But what he does, he gives that to you so you can be a blessing to someone else. If you hold on to it, then that's between you and God. Let me just tell you, there was a gospel, and they're still around sometimes, called the prosperity gospel. Name it and claim it. I'm not against naming and claim because anything that you say in the name of Jesus has to come to pass. Anything that you bring his name into, so you need health in your life, you need to start naming, I am healthy. I am, I am, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus, those things. But listen, if you can't afford a new SUV, don't buy a new SUV. If you can't afford a half a million dollar house, don't go buy one. Because guess what? If you buy that with the intent of, okay, well, God's going to bless me. Listen, he also wants us to have a little bit of sense when we do something. He also wants us to use our common sense when we go to do those things. But let me, let me show you something here. God is not an ATM. He's not a genie in a bottle. And he's not a lottery ticket. We use common sense, but he wants us to prosper. You know what prosper means? It does. Nowhere in the definition prosper does it say money. Nowhere. It says prosper is be successful, flourish, thrive. That's what, that's what um, prospering is. God does promise 
that he will provide for all of our needs. The Bible says, I'll give you all your needs according to my riches and glory. Isn't it awesome to know that somebody up there that owns the cattle on a thousand hills, that owns everything in this whole universe, he's going to provide everything that you need. Here's the other thing, too. He doesn't give you everything you want. But the Bible says if you'll be obedient, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Maybe you're desiring this and haven't seen it yet. Be obedient to God. Maybe you're not seeing what you really feel like you should be seeing. God says, just open up the doors to obedience. I'm about to blow your mind with what's going on. The last point here is this. Obedience produces promise. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he sworn to you. If, say if, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Do you know what establish means? Establish means to make firm. It means to be stable. To cause you to grow and to multiply. Maybe because of disobedience in our life, we're just all over the place. Maybe we're not firm and stable and God says this. When a man's ways please the Lord and he walks with him, you know, you may, not, you may fall a few times. But God said, here, just lean up against me. I'm going to establish your steps. I'm going to get you to the place where you need to be over here. Yes, you may wobble, you may fall, you may go, but I'm going to help you pick you up. I'm going to make you into the person that you want to be. He wants to establish you. Verse 13. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not be beneath. If, say if. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and be careful to observe them. Pay attention to the, God's, to the ifs in God's word. Look at that little word, if. And what happens if we pay attention to it? Maybe you're stuck in a season because you've not paid attention to the if in your life. Maybe you're stuck somewhere because you can't quite get out and God's saying, if you'll do this. If is a conjunction, and a conjunction is a connection with God. It's not a condition. How many of us in this room have, God, if you'll do this, I'll do this. God, if you'll only do this, I'll do this. And he's been like, that's the 43rd time I've told you not to do that. But yet you keep doing it. But God, if, you, if, you'll, if you'll just come through just this one time. And he comes through. I can't tell you how many times he's come through in my life. And he said, I just want you to walk in obedience. If you listen to the ifs in God's word, it will give you the blessed life. I'm telling you. You'll be the head, not the tail. You'll be above and beneath. You'll be healthy. And you'll have favor in your life. If you would, stand with me, please. In Deuteronomy 28, and you can read it for yourself, it's one of the longest books of the Bible. There are several that are, that are a little longer, but it's one of the longest ones. The first 14 verses of Deuteronomy talk about the blessings of obedience. As I just went through all of those. But 15 through 68 talk about the consequences of disobedience. 15 through 68, four to five times more talk about the consequences. 
Maybe you've been walking through those consequences because of disobedience in your life. Maybe you've been living in verse 15 through 68 your whole life. And God said, no. There's a good thing about God is God turns things around just like that. The good news is God allows comebacks. And maybe you've been saying no and no. Maybe you've been saying no over your talents and your, your treasures. And you've been saying no to God. But God today is saying, if you'll just say that one yes, I can turn everything around for you. And you win golf, you get a mulligan. My God, I've had so many mulligans in my life, I, and I don't even play golf. But God wants to take that thing that the enemy meant for bad, and he wants to turn it around for the good. That thing that used to haunt you and tell you you could never do that, God says, I'm going to use that as a testimony unto me. So today, God wants to undo. Listen, this is a word for someone. God wants to undo everything that you did. But you did this, and you did that, and you did that. In a moment in time, with people standing up here on this side of the altar, on this side of the altar, and if you want to come up front here, in a moment of time, God can take what you did your whole life and turn it in, be gone. Can be gone. Listen, that's not saying that you'll live a life of perfection after that or you'll never mess up. But God wants to heal all that brokenness in you. And you know what he's looking for you to do? She said so well last week. He's looking for you to surrender. I give up, God. You got me. And until he gets us to that point right there, sometimes our obedience won't come into effect because we don't want to lift our hands and say, you got me, God. So today, it's going to take surrender on your part. So as they get ready to sing this song, if you don't make your way up here, surrender yourself back there. Maybe lift your hands and say, God, there's an area in my life. Oh, you've been dealing with me with this for a long time. And today, I want to surrender it to you. I've been disobedient in it. I've not been doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But today, I want to change that right now. I want to walk the way you want me to We walk. hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church podcast.